Well, grace and peace to you this morning. We're so glad that you're here with us today. Um, one of the reasons that we're studying the Gospel of John is because uh, this coming Saturday, we're going to have a bunch of kids here. They're going to have a Bible bowl. They're going to be doing Bible reading. They're going to be doing art, poetry, all kinds of stuff associated with the Gospel of John. And some of them, like Dylan, have been uh, practicing their Bible reading. And uh, we're grateful for that. We want to encourage that. And if you can uh, help us next Saturday, that would be wonderful. If you can come up and volunteer or just come out and encourage these kids, that would be a great blessing. We're in John 15 this morning. And this section that we're looking at, it, it takes place between the Last Supper, which we studied last week, where we saw how Jesus took time to serve those who were at the table, and it takes place between Jesus's arrest. And so this is the night before Jesus is crucified. These are some of the last moments before he is put to death. Now, Jesus has taught many times throughout his ministry. He has delivered sermons. He has told parables. But before he goes to the cross, he has some departing words for his followers. And so these are things he wants us to remember. These are teachings that should guide us throughout our life. So what does he have to say? Well, one of the last things that, that Jesus gives his followers, that Jesus gives us, is another image. You remember we find all these images throughout the Gospel of John that Jesus uses to help convey the message of God to us. And the image we're looking at this morning would have been quite familiar to those that he, gave, he first gave it to. It is that of a vine and branches. And so if you look, if you open your Bibles to John 15, here's what Jesus says, verses 1 through 11. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you, unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me and my word abides in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. Amen. And so if you're a gardener or you work with plants, then you get what Jesus is saying here. You understand the imagery. You know what it means to prune and why that is important. You understand 
why some branches have to be removed from the plant. You get it. And although this is a specific image, uh, most of the rest of us get it also. Even if you've never spent time in a garden, uh, we, we all have some sense of what Jesus is describing here. It may not be as meaningful to us as it is for someone who gardens regularly, but we can follow along. And there are multiple lessons that we get from this one image. The main one being that we need to be connected to Christ. Life is in Jesus and nowhere else. If we are connected to Christ, what Jesus says here, then we are alive. If we're not connected to Christ, then we're dead. And this is the main point. Jesus is everything. He is our life source, and we should treat him as such. And so what, what does all this mean? Well, Jesus uses this image of the vine and branches. He uses this image that conveys life. And he's trying to help all of us understand how much we need him. We may think about another image associated with life. We all know that we need certain things to live. We need oxygen. We need food. We need water. We understand this. But what if we decided... You know, one day we're not going to drink anything for six days a week. You know, we, we know that we need water, but we're just going to go without it and see if we can survive on the water that we drink for one day. Well, of course, that would be crazy. And, and we would not live very long trying to do that. And, and the reason why is because we'd be disconnected from this source of life that we need to survive. Well, Jesus is saying something similar in this passage. He's saying that we need him and that we cannot survive without him. And I think this is something that we all know, but the, the question is, do we live like it? We know to say that Jesus is our life source, but what does this mean? What does it look like when we try and implement this in our lives? How does it change us? How does it change our rhythms and our habits? Not only does Jesus give us this image of branches attached to a vine, but he also gives us another image, one that is found throughout the entire Gospel of John. We find it in verses 4 and 5. He says, Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself. Unless it abides in the vine, neither can you. Unless you abide in me, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. And so the other image that Jesus uses is that of abiding. And this is a word that we don't use very often. We don't say, I'm going to take a vacation and I'm going to go and a uh, abide in a tent for five days down by the lake before I return to my abode here in LaGrange. We don't, we don't talk that way. What does it mean to abide? It means to dwell. It's where we live. And so this, this word abide 
goes right along with this image of a vine and branches. It's about Jesus being our life source. Jesus abides in us, but we also have to abide or live in him. To abide in Jesus is something that we choose to do. We have control over where we reside. When Jesus abides in us, he enters us. He lives within our heart. He is present with us. When we consider abiding in Jesus, we should think about what we are giving ourselves to. What is it that consumes us daily? Where is our focus? What captivates our minds? Where do we spend our time and energy? To abide in Jesus means that Jesus has captured our hearts, that we rest in him, that he is the source of our hope and our joy. He has transformed how we think. We see others differently because of Jesus. We live differently because of Jesus. This is what it means to abide in Jesus. Life changes for us because we're no longer abiding in whatever it was we were abiding in before. And there are lots of things we can abide in. We know what people are abiding in by spending just a little bit of time with them. It's what they talk about. It's what they think about. Some people abide in sports. Maybe their kids' sports or maybe their favorite sports team. Some people abide in the latest headlines. They're consumed by that. Some people abide in entertainment. Some people abide in collecting these. You can go on and on and on. There's all kinds of things that people abide in. And it's okay to have you know, hobbies and interests, but we need to be abiding in Jesus. And Jesus should be more important to us than anything else that is going on. So much so that we should be willing to sacrifice for Jesus. And people should know that we are Jesus' people because we're abiding in him. This is an issue in the times in which we live. I want you to listen to a quote from a book that was released just in the last couple of months. It's a quote describing our circumstances, our culture here in America. It says this, Today, many are referring to a secular age. The meaning is not necessarily clear. So he's saying, what does it mean to live in a secular age? Canadian philosopher Charles Taylor sees a secular age not as one in which God has been removed from the equation. I think that's what most of us would think, that we just take God out. He says, that's not what's going on. He says, that would be a subtraction story. No, ours is a secular age because faith is no longer the default position. God was pushed to the margins, a supernatural being whom you dealt with only on issues related to the afterlife. Once God became irrelevant to daily life in the material world, belief in God became a kind of providential deism. Okay, what does that mean? Well, he describes it in these next few lines. He says, if life is compared to a football game, God is up in the sky, the retractable roof is closed, and he has no bearing on the game on the field. 
What this author is saying is that we have not done away with God in this secular age in which we live. And this is true. If you look at the statistics, atheists and agnostics have not grown significantly. There's not more of them. There's not more unbelief. Instead, what's happened is we've pushed God to the side. We maintain our belief in him because we're going to need him when we die. But other than that, he's become meaningless in our lives. In other words, to tie it to John 15, people are no longer abiding in Christ. We're no longer living each and every day as if we need Jesus and we cannot live without him. He's no longer our life source. And this is a problem. Because you cannot have Christianity and not be daily connected to Jesus. We cannot simply use Jesus whenever we want to use him. It doesn't work that way. We should find our identity in Christ. Because that's where we dwell. That is where we find meaning and purpose. Not in all these other things that we're surrounded by, but in Christ. To put it another way, Jesus is not a side dish. Jesus is the main course. He's everything. And we are to abide in Jesus as he abides in us. Here's something else we learn from this passage. We cannot abide in Jesus and remain the same. And so you look at uh, verse 2. It says, Every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. And so God's going to prune every one of us. If you have not undergone pruning, then you're not in Christ. All of us will experience pruning as we abide in Christ. No one gets a pass. No one gets to avoid this part of the Christian faith. It's part of our salvation. Now, there are different ways of thinking of salvation. I don't know if you've considered this or not, but salvation is not just one thing. Salvation is multifaceted. And so one way of thinking of salvation is in terms of destination. It's where we are going. And this is how most people think of salvation. We think about dying and going to heaven. And again, you get back to the whole definition of what it means to be secular. That's what people haven't given up. We, we need God when we, when we die. And so salvation is about dying and going to heaven. Salvation is about a place. It's where we're going to spend eternity. Now, that's one way of thinking of salvation, but it's not the only way. Salvation is also about who we are becoming. And we need both. Both are necessary. It's not going to do us any good to get to heaven if we're still a wretched individual. We will not enjoy the blessings of heaven if we're still a fallen person who is shaped by sin. We need to be changed. We need to be transformed into the image of Jesus. This is why pruning is necessary. It's part of the salvation process. God is saving us. God is shaping us into who we ought to be. And sometimes this can be a little painful. 
It can feel like pruning. God is trimming these, these, these parts of us that are not like Christ. And he's working in these ungodly areas of our life that need to be transformed. And so if we cannot identify an area in our life where, where God is pruning, where God is working, then something is wrong. Because salvation is becoming like Jesus. It is being transformed into his image, and this involves pruning. Not only are we to be oriented towards heaven, that's where we're going, but we should be experiencing heaven within us. Heaven is the dwelling place of God. We should want to go there, but we should also be more and more comfortable being in the presence of God right now. And if we're not abiding in Jesus now, then we're not going to want to abide with Jesus when we die. Think about that. The picture we're given here in John 15 is of God being in us and us being in God. It's not one or the other, it's both. And so God is working in us as we are abiding in God. And so what does this involve on our end? Uh, two specific things are mentioned in the text. You look at the uh, first ones found in verse 7. It says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. And the next is found in verse 10. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. And so two things here. We need to be in God's word and then we need to be doing what it says. Those two things. Part of the way that we abide, part of how we are pruned is by regularly meditating on God's word and having that word challenge us. And so we need to be reading God's word and having that word speak to us. And so we're not reading it for our neighbors or our co-workers. We're not reading it to discover how wrong all these other people are. We're reading it so that we can become more like Jesus. And then we need to do what it says. We need to take what we read seriously and trust God. And I say this because we're going to encounter things in Scripture that go against our natural inclinations. And so we have to remember that God's ways are not our ways and that God always knows best. I don't know best. God knows best. And so we're going to read that if uh, someone strikes us on the cheek, then we're going to have to turn and, and let them have the other cheek. We're going to read that, that we have to love our enemies. We're going to read, as, as Larry read for us this morning, that we have to pray for people who persecute us. We're going to read in Scripture that, that we have to forgive anyone who wrongs us. We're going to, to read that, that we're not to get angry with others. And, you know, on and on it goes. The commands we find in the Bible are strange commands. A human being would not have come up with commands like these. They are unusual. So we have to trust God and do them. And as we do this, 
what happens is we are changed. We are transformed. Now, at first, we may not want to do them. But as we get ourselves out of the way and allow God to take over, we're going to discover who we were always meant to be. We will experience the wisdom of God. We will begin to see as we have never seen before. We've noticed how this passage addresses abiding and pruning. But that's not all that is discussed here. Jesus also describes how God will remove some branches. And so, for instance, in verse 2, he states, He, that is God, removes every branch in me that bears no fruit. We don't like to, to talk about this aspect of what God does, but it is a reality. Jesus says that God will remove the branches from the vine that do not bear fruit. And again, this is something for all of us to consider. We need to look at our lives and identify how we are bearing fruit. Are we producing the work of God in our lives? Are we growing in Christ? Are we serving people in our community? Are we manifesting the fruit of the Spirit? How has our abiding in Christ and being pruned by God How has that led to fruit being produced in our lives? And if we cannot identify fruit being produced in our lives, then we're in danger and and something needs to change. We need to make sure that we are abiding in Jesus and he is is abiding in us. And we need to allow God to, to work in our lives and prune whatever needs pruning And an essential part of being a Christian is producing fruit. That's what all that leads to. And so we may think, why give us this teaching? You know, this is is the end of Jesus' ministry. Why this teaching? We don't have to wonder about why we have this passage because Jesus tells us at the very end. He says, I've said these things to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. When we abide in Jesus, he becomes our source of joy. We're not bothered by whatever else is going on in the world because our home is in Christ. We are like a tree planted by streams of water. We shall not be moved. In this passage, Jesus is telling us where to find life. He's telling us where our home should be. We can be anywhere in this world and still be at home because our home is in Jesus. He is where we abide. He is where we live. And as soon as we understand this, joy is not an issue. We will have it because we abide in Jesus and he abides in us. Now again, these are some of Jesus' final words. We should pay attention to them because they're important. They hold the key to life. They tell us how we can always be at home. Don't you long to be at home? We have that longing within us. We can always be at home in Christ. These words reveal how we can be filled with joy at all times. And all of this is found in these verses in John 15. The question now is, what are we going to do with them? God has revealed marvelous things to us. 
but we have to act on what we have received. And so where will you find life? Where will you seek joy? Where will you abide? And how we answer these questions will determine our quality of life now and our quality of life for all eternity. And so you have the answers. What are you going to do? Let's pray. Father God, we're so thankful for this time this morning where we can gather together in your presence to worship you and glorify your name. We're so grateful that we have life in you, that you are where we abide. We find our home in you. May we not get distracted by other things. May we not try to find our life or our home in anything else. But may we keep our focus on Jesus and live in him. We pray this in his name. Amen.